0: Welcome to Rebecca Reads. Today I'm going to share three fairly short stories. They are Henny Penny, an English tale, The Shepherd and the Wolf by Aesop, and the poem Paul Revere's Ride by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. All three of these stories have something in common. They tell of someone giving a warning. Now I'm sure you have all been given warnings of things that might hurt you. Don't touch a burning stove or look both ways before crossing a street. But sometimes the warning isn't right, or someone tries to warn you about something that isn't really there. As you listen to these stories, I want you to pay attention to what the warning is, who is giving it, and if it will help the people who are hearing it. And now for our three stories. Henny Penny One day, Henny Penny was picking up corn in the cornyard when, whack, something hit her upon the head. Goodness gracious me, said Henny Penny, the skies are going to fall. I must go and tell the king. So she went along and she went along and she went along till she met Cocky Locky. Where are you going, Henny Penny, says Cocky Locky. Oh, I'm going to tell the king the sky's a-falling, says Henny Penny. May I come with you, says Cocky Locky. Certainly, says Henny Penny. So Henny Penny and Cocky Locky went to tell the king the sky was falling. They went along, and they went along, and they went along, till they met Ducky Daddles. Where are you going to, Henny Penny and Cocky Locky? says Ducky Daddles. Oh, we're going to tell the king the sky's a-falling, said Henny Penny and Cocky Locky. May I come with you? says Ducky Daddles. Certainly, says Henny Penny and Cocky Locky. So Henny Penny, Cocky Locky, and Ducky Daddles went to tell the king the sky was a-falling. So they went along, and they went along, and they went along till they met Goosey Poosey. Where are you going to, Henny Penny, Cocky Locky, and Ducky Daddles? said Goosey Poosey. Oh, we're going to tell the king the sky's a-falling, said Henny Penny, Cocky Locky, and Ducky Daddles. May I come with you? said Goosey Poosey. Certainly, said Henny Penny, Cocky Locky, and Ducky Daddles so henny penny cocky locky ducky daddles and goosey Poosey went to tell the king the sky was a-falling so they went along and they went along and they went along till they met turkey lurkey where are you going henny penny cocky locky and ducky daddles and goosey Poosey? says turkey lurkey Oh, we're going to tell the king the sky's a falling, said Henny Penny, Cocky Locky, Ducky Daddles, and Goosey Poosey. May I come with you, Henny Penny, Cocky Locky, Ducky Daddles, and Goosey Poosey? said Turkey Lurkey. Why, certainly, Turkey Lurkey, said Henny Penny, Cocky Locky, Locky, Ducky Daddles, and Goosey Poosey. So Henny Penny, Cocky Locky, Ducky Daddles, Goosey Poosey, and Turkey Lurkey all went to tell the king the sky was a falling. So they went along, and they went along, and they went along, till they met Foxy Woxy. And Foxy Woxy said to Henny Penny, Cocky Locky, Ducky Daddles, Goosey Poosey, and Turkey Lurkey, Where are you going, Henny Penny, Cocky Locky, Ducky Daddles, Goosey Poosey, and Turkey Lurkey? And Henny Penny, Cocky Locky, Ducky Daddles, Goosey Poosey, and Turkey Lurkey said to Foxy Woxy, We are going to tell the king the sky is falling Oh. But this is not the way to the king henny-penny cocky-locky ducky daddles goosey poosey and turkey-lurkey says foxy-woxy i know the proper way shall i show it to you why certainly foxy-woxy said henny-penny cocky-locky ducky daddles goosey poosey and turkey-lurkey So Henny Penny, Cocky Locky, Ducky Daddles, Goosey Poosey, Turkey Lurkey, and Foxy Woxy all went to tell the king the sky was a-falling. So they went along and they went along and they went along till they came to a narrow and dark hole. Now this was the door of Foxy Woxy's cave. But Foxy Woxy said to Henny Penny, Cocky Locky, Ducky Daddles, Goosey Poosey, and Turkey Lurkey, This is the short way to the king's palace. You'll soon get there if you follow me. I will go first, and you come after Henny Penny, Cocky Locky, Ducky Daddles, Goosey Poosey, and Turkey Lurkey. Why, of course, certainly, without doubt, why not? said Henny Penny, Cocky Locky, Ducky Daddles, Goosey Poosey, and Turkey Lurkey. So Foxy Woxy went into his cave, and he didn't go very far, but turned round to wait for Henny Penny, Cocky Locky, Ducky Daddles, Goosey Poosey, and Turkey Lurkey. So at last, at first, Turkey Lurkey went through the dark hole into the cave. He hadn't gone far when, hump, Foxy Woxy snapped off Turkey Lurkey's head and threw his body over his left shoulder. Then Goosey Poosey went in and, Hoomph! Off went her head, and Goosey Poosey was thrown beside Turkey Lurkey. Then Ducky Daddles waddled down and, hump Snapped Foxy Woxy, and Ducky Daddles' head was off, and Ducky Daddles was thrown alongside Turkey Lurkey and Goosey Poosey. Then Cocky Locky strutted down into the cave, and he hadn't gone far when Snap Hoof went Foxy Loxy, and Cocky Locky was thrown alongside of Turkey Lurkey, Goosey Poosey, and Ducky Daddles. But Foxy Loxy had made two bites at Cocky Locky, and when the first Snap only hurt Cocky Locky but didn't kill him, he called out to Henny Penny. So she turned tail and ran back home. So she never told the king the sky was a falling. The Shepherd Boy and the Wolf. A shepherd boy tended his master's sheep near a dark forest not far from the village. Soon he found life in the pasture very dull. All he could do to amuse himself was to talk to his dog or play on his shepherd's pipe. One day, as he sat watching the sheep and the quiet forest and thinking what he would do should he see a wolf, he thought of a plan to amuse himself. His master had told him to call for help should a wolf attack the flock, and the villagers would drive it away. So now, though he had not seen anything that even looked like a wolf, he ran toward the village shouting at the top of his voice, wolf, wolf. As he expected, the villagers who heard the cry dropped their work and ran in great excitement to the pasture. But when they got there, they found the boy doubled up with laughter at the trick he had played on them. A few days later, the shepherd boy again shouted, "'Wolf! Wolf!' Again the villagers ran to help him, only to be laughed at again. Then one evening, as the sun was setting behind the forest and the shadows were creeping out over the pasture, a wolf really did spring from the underbrush and fall upon the sheep. In terror, the boy ran toward the village shouting, "'Wolf! Wolf!' But though the villagers heard the cry, they did not run to help him as they had before. He cannot fool us again, they said. The wolf killed a great many of the boy's sheep, and then slipped away into the forest. Moral, liars are not believed even when they speak the truth. Paul Revere's Ride Listen, my children, and you shall hear of the midnight ride of Paul Revere. On the 18th of April in 75, hardly a man is now alive who remembers that famous day and year. He said to his friend, If the British march by land or sea from the town to-night, hang a lantern aloft in the belfry arch of the North Church Tower as a signal light, one if by land and two if by sea, and I on the opposite shore will be, ready to ride and spread the alarm through every Middlesex village and farm for the country folk to be up and to arm. Then he said, good night, and with muffled oar silently rowed to the Charleston shore, just as the moon rose over the bay where the swinging wide at her moorings lay the Somerset British Man-of-War, a phantom ship, with each mast and spar across the moon like a prison bar, and a huge black hulk that was magnified by its own reflection in the tide." Meanwhile his friend through Allian Street wanders and watches with eager ears, till in the silence around him he hears the muster of men at the barrack door, the sound of arms and the tramp of feet, and the measured tread of the grenadiers marching down to their boats on the shore. Then he climbed the tower of the Old North Church by the wooden stairs with stealthy tread to the belfry chamber overhead, and startled the pigeons from their perch on the somber rafters that round him made masses and moving shapes of shade, by the trembling ladders steep and tall to the highest window in the wall, where he paused to listen and looked down a moment on the roofs of the town and the moonlight flowing over all. Beneath, in the churchyard, lay the dead, in their night encampment on the hill, wrapped in silence so deep and still that he could hear, like a sentinel's tread, the watchful night wind, as it went creeping along from tent to tent, and seeming to whisper, all is well. A moment only he feels the spell of the place and the hour, and the secret dread of the lonely belfry and the dead. For suddenly all his thoughts were bent on a shadowy something far away, where the river widens to meet the bay, a line of black that bends and floats on the rising tide like a bridge of boats. Meanwhile, impatient to mount and ride, booted and spurred with a heavy stride, on the opposite shore walked Paul Revere. Now he patted his horse's side, now gazed at the landscape far and near, then impetuous stamped the earth and turned and tightened his saddle girth. But mostly he watched with eager search the belfry tower of the old north church, as it rose above the graves on the hill, lonely and spectral and somber and still. And lo, as he looks, on the belfry's height a glimmer, and then a gleam of light. He springs to the saddle, the bridle he turns, but lingers and gazes, till full on his sight a second lamp in the belfry burns. A hurry of hoofs in a village street, a shape in the moonlight, a bulk in the dark, and beneath, from the pebbles in passing, a spark struck out by a steed flying fearless and fleet, That was all, and yet through the gloom and the light and the fate of a nation was riding that night, and the spark struck out by that steed in his flight kindled the land into flame with its heat. He has left the village and mounted the steep, and beneath him, tranquil and broad and deep, is the mystic meeting the ocean tides, and under the alders that skirt its edge, now soft on the sand, now loud on the ledge, is heard the tramp of his steed as he rides. "'It was twelve by the village clock when he crossed the bridge into Medford Town. "'He heard the crowing of the cock and the barking of the farmer's dog "'and felt the damp of the river fog that rises after the sun goes down. "'It was one by the village clock when he galloped into Lexington. "'He saw the gilded weathercock swim in the moonlight as he passed, "'and the meeting-house windows, blank and bare, gaze at him with a spectral glare, "'as if they already stood aghast at the bloody work they would look upon.' It was two by the village clock when he came to the bridge in Concord Town. He heard the bleating of the flock and the twitter of birds among the trees, and felt the breath of the morning breeze blowing over the meadow's brown. And one was safe and asleep in his bed, who at the bridge would be first to fall, who that day would be lying dead, pierced by a British musket-ball." You know the rest, in the books you have read, how the British regulars fired and fled, how the farmers gave them ball for ball from behind each fence and farmyard wall, chasing the redcoats down the lane, then crossing the fields to emerge again, under the trees at the turn of the road, and only pausing to fire and load so through the night rode paul revere and so through the night went his cry of alarm to every middlesex village and farm a cry of defiance and not of fear a voice in the darkness a knock at the door and a word that shall echo for evermore For, born on the night wind of the past, through all our history to the last, in the hour of darkness and peril and need, the people will waken and listen to hear the hurrying wolf beats of that steed and the midnight message of Paul Revere. Thank you for listening to all three of these stories. Which story had a fake warning? Which story helped people prepare for something? Why do you think all the other birds listened to Henny Penny? Why did the villagers stop listening to the shepherd boy? Did the villagers listen to Paul Revere's warning? What makes a warning believable, and how can you tell the difference between a fake warning, like Henny Penny's and the Shepherd Boy's, and real ones, like Paul Revere's? And that is another episode of Rebecca Reads. If you don't know who Paul Revere from the poem is, I would encourage you to go to your local library and find a book about him. You can learn all about the American Revolution and how important that midnight ride was. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss a single episode. Keep reading and join me next week for another episode of Rebecca Reads.